When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wally Backman used to get suspended all the time for arguing with umpires and whatnot. And he would, when he was suspended, he would come up and sit in the press box right next to where I was as the PA. It was like Wally, me as PA, and then the person doing the music in the stadium. And Wally would just sit there with like a 32 ounce souvenir cup filled with scotch and he'd go through what? two of them over the course of a game it was insane and by the end by like the eighth inning he would grab the pa microphone from me and just start like yelling at his players on the field over the pa system welcome to an acc podcast and uh yeah a lot's happened since i spoke to everyone last um i'm lauren brownlow again in case you forgot i mean you're here and it says that in the episode description i believe that that's who i am so you probably already know that but i'm you know just figured i'd at least refresh people um (laughs) and i wanted to kind of go through some of the maybe look a little bit ahead at ACC football this season but also in general because i think there's a bit of an existential crisis going on with some of the leagues that are not the SEC at this point and, and the Big Ten. Um, so I wanted to bring on um, no no one better, I think, than David Hale from ESPN to take us through, I think, both of those things, really. I, I, I would. Well, I'd, I'd like to disagree <laughs> with you, but um, we're also living in a world in which, like, um, I, I don't know that there are experts anymore. So the rest of the world has devolved to my level where now I am. I think I can be an expert on this. Well, here's the here's the thing, David, too, right? Like, are there people that know more about realignment than than you? Probably. You definitely know more than I do, though, A. And then B, and then B, I know that people who know more about realignment than you don't know about Syracuse football, right? <laughs> the Venn diagram there is <laughs> the overlap is thin and it is just me. Right. It's it's you. It's you and well no, not it's even like me, David. John Wildhack and uh Otto the Orange. Those are the only uh Otto, Otto would know that. Yeah. Otto's an insider. I would I don't even know. Otto doesn't have a gender, really, to me. Just a genderless weird monster to me. Uh when I was there, when I went to school there, um there were I think three different autos and two of them were women, so there, it's gender non-binary is first of all the thing, and I don't think we should be we should be at a point in in our lives. I'm actually very disappointed in you, Lauren, that you have not evolved more on this issue. Okay, well, it's more it's it's not because I I feel that way about gender. So that's but that's a fair correction and and accurate. I I just feel that Otto is not is is way like not human enough for my tastes or not. He- animal or not animal not fruit enough for my taste either you know (laughs) what how do you compare Otto to the orange bowl mascot oh yeah well does the orange bowl mascot have like shoes and socks because that's always been something that bothered me you don't think Otto deserves to wear a shoe you don't want to be walking around on that 
you know, the, the court at the carrier dome without shoes on. Good Lord. Who knows what's okay. going on there? The Orange Bowl mascot does have shoes, but no. So I know I hear you, but like, it's just too much for me. I don't know. Auto, the, the Orange Bowl mascot, I feel like leans into the creepiness a little bit. And so I feel like, you know what? I, yeah, as like a representative of South Florida, the Orange Bowl mascot should actually be wearing like black dress shock socks with Crocs. And then, yes. and then it will fully be invested in the South Florida lifestyle. No, that's yes, that that's a really good point. And the Orange Bowl mascot, God help whoever is in that suit, because I just saw it. And yeah, the Florida part. Oof. I have to imagine it doesn't smell great oh. on the inside. No, I don't. I no, but yeah, I just yeah, the hands of the Orange Bowl mascot bother me a little bit. But I, yeah. there should be a there should be like for real real college football fans, there should be like a Glade air freshener scent that is just inside of mascot costume. Yes, I agree with this. I mean, it's got like you said, it's got to smell terrible. Ugh. I yeah. Yeah, I, I just, feel for those people. I want. I, I'll, I'll give you my very briefest um, but <laughs> best mascot story. Please. Uh, that uh, for a while during the early part of my uh, journalism career, if you want to call it that, I worked uh, in this town in South Georgia, and uh, I, as a part timer, was doing um, PA work for their independent league baseball team uh, called the South Georgia Peanuts, who are managed by Wally Backman, by the way. And there's actually. Uh, you can probably find it online somewhere. There's a, like a reality show about the season that I'm not in at all, but several of my friends are. Uh, but anyway, the mascot portion of this is they had a peanut mascot, and um, he was taunting a grounds crew worker one time who got mad and punched him in the face and literally broke his nose. Oh, not like the peanut nose, the actual guy's nose. Oh, it was no. like a 17-year-old kid, too. Oh, anyway, that's, yeah. That wasn't even a top 10 most ridiculous thing that happened covering or being around that minor league baseball team or independent league baseball team that year anyway. So oh, minor league baseball, it is, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's a lot of things, but boring is usually never one of them. Um, okay. Well, yeah. Now that we got that, now I feel bad for that kid. Like it was a great story until you said 17 and I was like, Ugh. yeah, well, I'm sure he tried to sue the league, which probably promptly went out of business. I was going to say, second. yeah, that would <laughs> Definitely, I was, and, and around here we're spoiled with the Durham Bulls because that's like the highest of high class uh, minor leagues. Yes, this was the lowest of low class, <laughs> yeah. and I fit right in. Oh, some Kenny Powers energy, although that was pretty high uh, caliber baseball as well. Myrtle Beach. Yeah, well. Wally Backman used to get suspended all the time for arguing with umpires and whatnot. And he would, when he was suspended, he would come up and sit in the press box right next to where I was as the PA. It was like Wally me as PA and then the person doing the music in the stadium and Wally would just sit there with like a 32 ounce souvenir cup filled with scotch and he'd go through what? two of them over the course of a game it was insane and by the by like the eighth inning he would grab the PA microphone from me and just start like yelling at his players on the field over the PA system <laughs> oh man it was so great we could just do the entire show honestly of me telling you stories about the South Georgia Peanuts but um, I, I, ostensibly, I thought we were here to talk about football, so we, we can go back to that if you want. Uh, yeah, I, I was going to say the, the scotch thing reminds me of a, a little bit. I, I, the, um, who is it? It's like the Lions coach that drinks like a bunch of caffeine. <laughs> yes, yes. Bolly Backman is Dan Campbell, except with scotch. Except with alcohol. Red Bull, yeah. I feel like I'd be yeah. dead if I tried even like a 
Yeah, that would be real. That would end poorly for most of us. But, you know, you, you work up a tolerance over the years, just like a lot of us have probably haven't during the pandemic, our alcohol. Tolerance I think is- like you just spend a, you If you were a part of the 86 Mets, there's really nothing that can kill you now. You're That's just, true. You're, 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 you're uh, it's like the, the, the Facebook memes about uh, the vaccine is that, you know, if you drank, uh, if you drank uh, jungle juice out of a bathtub in college, you don't need the vaccine. Is if you were on the 86 nuts, you're fine. Everything has been taken care of. Yes. No, that <laughs> they, they can't kill you unless maybe, uh, you know, the SEC is coming to town. So that's. Well, yeah, the SEC kills everything. It, it's the black hole of the sports world. Yeah. And it's so that's that's kind of what I want. I wanted to get into that first. I know we'll get into a little AC football. I know that I'm not meaning this to be like super realignment. So I'm not going to get into all of the nuts and bolts of it all. But obviously they're going to add. Texas and Oklahoma. The Texas one continues to make me laugh. Um, eventually, will Texas be better? Yes, probably. But the early days of Texas football in the SEC, like, what, are there Vegas over-unders on, like, Steve Sarkeesian's, like, tenure there? Because, boy, oh, boy, give me the under, whatever it is. Well, I mean, the, 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 the thing, I put this out when all of this was going down. And, look, I, the, the bottom line is that money drives everything. And I'm not, and this isn't just a college football method. Like the money drives everything everywhere in every industry period. So I, I'm not here to judge, but I think it is worth pointing out that no school in the country generates more annual revenue in its athletic department than Texas. Ooh. And Texas has not been competitive in a decade plus now. Yes, in the biggest revenue-generating sport. Yeah, And what they just did was make a decision that is going to make being competitive harder but gives them more money when they already had the most money and couldn't compete. So like, if you think about that just right. for a second, that's how much money drives everything. That's what's crazy to me too, right? Like, yeah, because I mean, and I think that I have seen some like opinions about, oh, okay, well, Texas eventually – will work its way back because part of the problem was with A&M going to the SEC that hurt their recruiting. Oh, please. I know. I, I mean, know. they were bad for, you know, aside from like five years of Mac Brown, they were pretty bad for yep. the bulk of the time, like from throughout the nineties anyway. And yep. they had all of the other advantages. They, it's not like A&M was good when they were there or A&M wasn't, was, you know, recruiting at a great level. The whole thing is just, Texas's problem is Texas. And until Mm -hmm. somebody at Texas realizes that Texas is going to be continue to be Texas, whether they're playing in the Big 12, the SEC, the freaking FBS, it doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter what league you put Texas in. They can go play the Canadian Football League. They will still be bad because they're Texas. I'm just surprised they didn't. I mean, I know the ACC had certainly at least flirted with them. To me, it would make more sense. Um, but yeah, no one asked. Uh, well, then, no one I, asked. Us. I uh, I was I I talked to Greg Sankey the other day for a story, and I was you know trying to be as uh, <laughs> on his side as I could be because I'm you know trying not to ruffle feathers. But this, 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 I, I genuinely believe this. This is the truth. And what, what I said to him, I was like. A lot of people are mad at you. I'm sure I'm not surprising him when I say a lot of people are mad at you about the Texas and Oklahoma thing. But I also think all of those people would have done exactly the same thing if given the same opportunity. Well, and, he was, yeah. and he was like, yeah, he's like, yeah. all these people that are complaining publicly 
I've talked to many of them privately who are like, well, yeah, you got us on that one. Yeah, I mean, to some extent, like, it didn't seem like the SEC had to do that much work even. You know, it seemed seemed to me like Texas and Oklahoma wanted to get out. They were shopping around and the SEC was like, yeah. Like, it wasn't like the SEC, from what I understand, was like, let's work to get them out of here. Like, so we, you know, we all get that part. But it is still funny that, like, he and Bob Bowlesby were all buddy-buddy. You know, like, I mean, the, the, you know, if you're gonna, if you're gonna sort of point fingers and say somebody's evil about something. And, um, I mean, at the end of the day, I kind of fall into the, we live in a capitalist self-interested society and right. college football is certainly capitalist and self-interest and, and it's just business, so to speak. But they, he definitely, uh, I won't say he lied because I don't know the specifics of conversations, mm-hmm. but there were clearly lies by omission throughout this yes. process like, because like, it's really hard if Greg Sankey is the one like that is legitimately designing and like the largest voice of influence in this 12 team playoff expansion. And it's obvious that the need for that 12 teams over something like six or eight is necessitated by them getting Oklahoma and Texas. Then like it's it's a bad faith uh like like he couldn't have recused himself from that without people asking questions but the fact of the matter is like he knew what was going on when he was having these discussions and the outcome of those discussions helped him with what was going on there's no other way to look at that well and i hate to be this cynical but i mean this is our world that we're living it's in college football please be cynical yeah I, but i i can't help but think something similar about notre dame obviously like with jack swarbrick and, and him being so you know instrumental yeah. in the pushing of the 12 team playoff and it's shaking out the way he wants it to i mean to me i think at this point if you're in college football and you're an administrator I'm not saying you have to discount all ideas if they don't benefit you directly, but you should probably be skeptical of whoever is presenting an idea to you, you know, and wonder what's in it for them at this point, because that's tends to be how all this goes. Right. Well, I mean, the, 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 the playoff expansion is such a great point on that, because I think there is a genuine pushback now where everybody else is like, whoa, here's the leverage that we still have over Greg Sankey and Jack Swarbrick. And maybe we need to tap the brakes on this and not let it happen. And maybe that will be the case when there is the next meeting in September. Uh, But it's still going to happen. Why? Because it still benefits everybody. It just doesn't benefit them as much as it benefits Notre Dame and the SEC. So this is sort of the world that we live in is like, you think it's about money and you want to complain about the SEC making it about money, but these other leagues will still do a thing that helps the SEC because it brings a little bit more money to those leagues too. Yeah, they, pro- they probably will. Although, I mean, I think the other leagues on some level have to understand that like if this goes forward as is and nothing else changes and nobody else's TV deal changes, I mean, I, is it too dramatic to say that they'll be playing – two different sports at a certain point um the at a certain point is actually a really good kind of clause to that sentence because i've had a a conversation with one uh head coach who is not in the sec about what is this you know in 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 reality what does this mean like what is the where will you feel the impact and he's like there's two things really that are happening here and it's, it's really not about the money today so it's entirely reasonable to assume that when all is said and done and new QB contracts are done for the SEC, in which Oklahoma and Texas are folded into that, 
they're looking at 65 to 70 million dollars a year distributed to their individual teams which is approximately double what the ACC gets mm. and you say that's got to be a problem and theoretically it is but what this coach was saying is like where are you spending that money you're not going to suddenly pay your head coach 20 million dollars a year you're not going to be giving your uh, your offensive coordinators um, the same amount of money as a ACC head coach is getting are we sure you're not going probably not I mean and you're certainly you're not you're not going to be paying guys more than you do in the NFL like yeah. more than likely maybe there's exceptions I mean Nick Saban is Nick Saban and, and right but, but you're not going to go out and give Mike Leach 10 million dollars a year just because you have it and you've all all of these schools have already built these brand new gleaming state-of-the-art uh football facilities and yeah they'll probably invest some more in some of their other sports but I I don't I mean how much can you really do like if you're getting an extra 20 million dollars a year in essentially revenue for doing nothing other than just being there right like what are you doing with that money and and what the coach argued is there's really two things that are happening one is this is about prestige in recruiting because yep. if you are recruiting elite athletes and the SEC gets to say, we are effectively NFL junior right now. And if you want to play at the highest possible level that you can play at, you come to the SEC. If you're fine playing JV football most weeks, then yeah, go ahead and knock yourself out in the ACC or the Pac-12 or whatever. But we're the real league. And it is a fascinating and exceptionally good recruiting pitch. But the other argument, and I've heard this not just from this coach, but several other very powerful people is you say where is college football headed what is where is the trend line going and as one said nil is a big thing not just because it's nil but it is effectively a trojan horse because when you add that with the alston ruling eventually we are getting to compensating players there's no turning back now it is a matter of time and what the sec has just done is put itself in the best possible position that when that time comes if it's three years five years ten years from now they have the reserves on hand to start paying players and other leagues are scraping by on what they're already making. And so for today, the recruiting pitch gets a whole hell of a lot better. And for 10 years from now, if we're paying players at that point directly, the recruiting pitch gets even better than that. That's, and so yeah. they have, they have future proof themselves. That's really interesting to me though. Like I, I don't think I had yet heard the opinion of like, it's so much money that they don't have anything to spend it on yet. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, they always come find, up with something. I, I was, like I was talking to somebody the other day about um, you know what's happening with the COVID numbers, and we're going to have to start dialing back on attendance uh, allowances and stuff like that. And if we're back to fifty percent attendance, what does that mean? And um, I have some friends who work in you know ticketing who will say like this is it's a big, big, big problem if that happens again. And you say like, how is it that these effectively nonprofits yep. that bring in a hundred plus million dollars a year and do not pay directly their labor force. And you can say, yeah, well, they're spending money on scholarships. That's true, but you're paying your own school for the scholarships. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that comes when, from donors, uh, the scholarship. Right. Part, yeah. So, so when you look at all of that and you say, how are they about to go broke if they have to do this for a second straight year? It's because they find ways to spend the money, whether it needs to be spent or not. And, you know, I, so I, I don't know. I don't know what the answers are. And maybe if you've got $70 million a year coming in from the, the, the conference, you're still finding a way to spend it all. Um, I had when the, before all of this happened, but when the SEC ESPN deal for the 
you know, their, their tier one rights for the 330 game uh, thing happened. And I had, I was talking to one AD in the ACC and I was like, you know, isn't this a huge problem when their, their revenue keeps getting bigger and you're stuck in the same deal? And he's like, well, it is a problem, but also like, I know several ADs in the SEC who've already spent that check before they've gotten it because they're buying out coaches and, and whatever else. Right. I mean, they find ways to waste this money without question. Yeah. And that'll be interesting too. Cause that, that's where I think it'll have the most impact. Cause you're right that they're not going to like, most schools aren't going to pay their coach like an exorbitant sum necessarily, but it'll probably be more increases for your support staff. Right. And, you know, increases in their pay and, and, you know, you, you poach coaches you like in other leagues, basically, if you have all the money in the world, you can get whoever you want to come be a coordinator or coach for you. Right. Well, and that's exactly to the, you know, to the initial point is it becomes NFL junior because the best of the best will get paid more and have, you know, like if it gets to a point where like the dollar figures are the same or close, like, do you want to be, a head coach in the ACC or a defensive coordinator in the SEC? Like, what if that's the same number, you know? Like, what if Mike Elko at Texas A&M, who used to be the coordinator for Dave Clawson at Wake Forest, what if they're making the same amount of money? Like, I guess Clawson's is still the better job, but that's a hell of a lot more responsibility on his plate for the same amount of money to be at a place at, like Wake where you're never going to win a national championship either. It's, I mean, yep. these are conversations that are not, they're, they're hypothetical today, but five years from now, I don't know. Yeah. And that's the, the, I guess like when you talk about the future of college football too. So I'm sure you get this a lot, right? But this ha- this literally happened to me this past weekend. So I just had to share it. Basically I was told like at a, you know, like a gathering of like family friends and stuff, like somebody was like, Lauren, I heard blah, blah, blah about Clemson, they are out, they're leaving, they're going to the (laughs) SEC, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, you know, the grant of rights. And I explained to him some of that. And he's like, well, yeah, but eventually they'll make that back. And I'm like, um, true, I guess. I mean, (laughs) but the grant, I mean, just break that down a little bit to, to, because I'm not saying that they couldn't leave early. Like no one could leave early, but like 15 years right now is what the grant of rights is that expires in 2036. That's when the ACC can technically renegotiate if they don't do it sooner. And nobody, I mean, the ACC is not going to like let anybody out without paying an exorbitant amount of money. Right. Like, so where are we at on that? Are there any like, like loopholes that people are looking for at this point, potentially, if they're a little worried about where the ACC is headed, which would be understandable. It's the, the number of folks around the SEC who have made note to me of the great irony that the worst thing about being in the ACC right now is the TV contract running through 2036 yeah. that they're getting destroyed on. The best thing that the ACC has going for it right now is the TV contract that runs through 2036 because so does the grant of rights and won't allow teams to leave. So it's the reason to leave and the reason you can't leave right now if you're yep. uh, an ACC team. So, all right, talking real brass tacks on this. First, let's start with this. Nothing is imminent. Like there is, I I have talked to every, and I'm not talking about just in the ACC, every single person that I have talked to that is in any position to know anything has said nothing is happening tomorrow, next week, next month. After we get through the end of the season, I think there's going to start to be some more conversations. Changes are coming around the country. There will be more realignment. But it is not happening tomorrow. These are much long. I think no one is in a hurry to make something happen tomorrow. Um, 
But where are we thinking things are long term? There is the obvious question of of Clemson and Florida State, and then maybe to a little bit of a lesser degree, somebody like Carolina, Virginia Tech, or, or Miami, uh, saying, "Look, we're trying to play a different type of a different level of football, which is the overwhelming amount of revenue that comes into our league and our, our schools. We're trying to play a different level of football than everybody else in our league is. We're not being compensated fairly for the quality of football that we are trying to play." setting aside the actual quality of football at Florida State right now um, <laughs> and 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 say like we want to go somewhere where we can make that money uh, and it would not be impossible for them to do to make that choice and leave either for the SEC or the Big Ten and, and another thing everybody kind of points to the SEC here the Big Ten was making more money than the SEC before the Texas and Oklahoma thing and the Big Ten has a TV deal about to expire. I think it's 2023. So they're going to be getting yeah, much more money position. too. Yeah. Right. So that before the Big Ten does anything else with additions the way that the SEC has, they're already in a, a very good position. So I, I, if people start talking about, well, what happens if the Pac-12 or the ACC gets poached? Don't assume that's going to be by the SEC. It could well be by the Big Ten too. Yep. And in some cases, the ACC – some of the ACC schools profile much better to the Big Ten than they do to the SEC. Oh, UNC is like I was going to say to me like that's Big Ten. That's- well, and I will tell you, I will tell you this, and you know, off the record, sort of hypothetical conversations that I've had with folks around both of those leagues, the the school that is going to have be the most attractive in a potential market where people are being poached is North Carolina, and it's not close because. They do not have direct. They expand the footprint for both of those leagues. They profile well in both of those leagues. They are good at more than just yep. football. Well, they're good at football now. Olympic but they sports, have other they're stuff. very good. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and they are a brand, and brand is so much of it right now. Where right. like you bring in the Jordan brand, uh, you think about having you know streaming subscribers for Carolina baseball and basketball, women's basketball, and all that stuff too. That that stuff matters as you're looking ahead to what is driving the economic forces, the economic forces driving decision-making um, 10 years down the road. Carolina is sitting pretty right now. Yeah. And everybody's going to everybody's gonna say, well, what about Clemson? What about Clemson? I get it. Yes. But do you think South Carolina and Georgia want to be competing with Clemson and the SEC? It's They're up against a bigger <laughs> roadblock on that than Texas was with Texas A&M, and it's not even really close. Yeah. Although, I mean, you know, you're right, but the powers that be, I think, would probably – make it if they felt like that was good for them and Clemson was interested but the problem is it's just right now it's cost prohibitive right I mean you're talking 10 years maybe before that's something that would be like a viable financial decision for either so I mean think about it just in in terms of basic math right now so um let's say and and just estimate that um the ACC deal is is bad and and it's going to stay bad but it'll get a little bit better um it already has with um the Mediacom uh, distribution that just happened. Theoretically, they one day get get Comcast, and so you're, you're and the network will continue to bring in a little bit more. But let's say um, we get to a point where, like, by the time we're actually having these conversations, say a year to two down the line, we're ACC somewhere at thirty eight to forty million dollars a year in distribution, um, and I think they were at thirty five last year, uh, and the SEC is somewhere between like sixty eight and seventy million. So we're talking roughly $30 million a year difference, okay? So the grant of rights for uh, the ACC is your average TV revenue spread out over the length of the remaining contract. So we would be talking 
13 to 14 years at probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 27 to 28 million dollars a year. So the added revenue that you get by joining the SEC, it would take 10 to 12 years to offset what you're losing and having to pay. And that's not including court costs and penalties and all of that, which is not negligible. And look, none of us have sat down and had a real look at this contract. And I've tried to ask people like, I was going to ask, can we see it? Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, so I think there is, yes, that's, that number is a hard number, but the number is probably actually bigger than that too. And and certainly the, like you're like an exit fee. I feel like, right. So yeah, Maryland had to pay an exit fee from what I remember. Right. So there's, I mean, it, and it depends sort of what the language is and in the contract. But here's the other thing. If Florida State, North Carolina, or uh, Clemson left the ACC, that is uh, an existential threat to the league oh, yeah. as it currently consists. So don't think, when Maryland left, the league was already happy to be adding Louisville. Yep. And Maryland was a financial drain on the league as it was. They were pissed off that Maryland was going. But it was more about spite than anything to make it difficult oh, yeah. for Maryland. But they weren't mad. <laughs> like they were happy to negotiate the uh, uh, ultimate end game with that. Well, and I'm ACC sure they, pro- they probably wanted to make an example out of them to a degree. Right. Yeah. Right. Like, don't you know? In other words, like, don't you know? Leave the league, right. as, or, or this is what will happen. Right. But if it's if we're talking about an existential threat to the league. It won't be, well, let's figure out how to get this done and make you pay a price for it. It will be, I, one, one of us is going to die from doing this, and I'm going to do my best to make sure it's you and not me. And 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 that's a whole different ball. Like, they will, to use the phrase from The Godfather, they will go to the mattresses over this. Oh, yeah. It will not be a thing where the, the ACC just says, well, you made up your mind. I guess there's not much we can do about it. Let's go to court and start negotiating an exit. They will fight tooth and nail over this. So, um, it, yeah, the whole idea, it doesn't mean that it can't happen. And again, the longer you project into the future, the shorter that grant of rights term becomes. And suddenly, if we're talking about, say, six or seven years from now, and right. we cut that number in half, well, then we have a much different conversation. Um, but I don't think it, yeah, so long story short, nothing is imminent on this. Yeah, the ACC, I think, has its time, has time to get its proverbial, you know, ducks in a row. Um but, you know, and just I, I've I've talked about this so many places that it's hard for me to keep track where I've talked about it. But I know I haven't talked about it on here yet. So it's worth reminding everyone. And I'm sure you will reiterate this, too, that like it, unless the ACC is adding Notre Dame or like even at Texas, which we know isn't happening already, like there is no one that they could add that would that would like increase the tv deal enough to make it worthwhile it would just cut into everybody's share west virginia's cool and all like i i would have no problem if they were in the acc but it's not going to increase your bottom line at all right and that's i think people are really just not a, and, and look here's the thing the way that people are approaching this and saying like west virginia is a very good example of like the great fan base good college town they're they're actually pretty competitive they would add football a football presence to the league geographically it's a it fits in between you know louisville and helps be a little more connective and travel wise and they have this rivalry with Pitt. that's all great um and yeah that stuff's all true and in a world where uh putting a good football product on the field was the only thing that anybody cared about that's what we would do but that's not it it's money it is money 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 and west virginia does it's not in a big tv market 
Uh, it does not have uh, the academic profile that the ACC wants, and it's not changing the revenue dynamic in terms of what you know. Would ESPN pay more money to the ACC to add West Virginia? Yeah, but it would probably be something in the neighborhood of best case scenario, a pro rata deal where it's effectively like you add one fifteenth more onto the existing deal, and maybe not even that. It's not going to convince ESPN to come to the bargaining table and renegotiate the entire existing TV contract, which is what Jim Phillips needs to do. Yeah, the stat, I think I saw that. I don't remember who tweeted the stat out. I know it wasn't you, but it was some somebody that said like they looked at the Big 12 numbers and, and games that Oklahoma and Texas weren't in. I think average like 800,000. Yeah. And that right. includes West Virginia, y'all. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 look, the bottom line is we, in, in college sports, and it, it, there's a little bit of a catch-22 to this, that, um, but set that to the side for a second. College sports, there are, what, 15 to 20 brands that genuinely move the needle. And anytime you're talking about anything about what happens on the football field, it's secondary. The academics are secondary. The other sports mm-hmm. are not even secondary. They're, they're fifth dairy. Uh, <laughs> what, what matters is your brand. So Notre Dame moves the needle. Um, if you if you could somehow poach, say, Penn State from the, the Big Ten, that moves the needle. Mm-hmm. If you could figure out a way to have this sort of cross-country relationship with the Pac-12, USC and Oregon and maybe Washington and UCLA move mm-hmm. the needle. But West Virginia, no one remaining in the Big 12 moves the needle. Uh, none of these, you know, and maybe in 15 to 20 years, does UCF or Houston or Cincinnati move the needle? Maybe they're at least demographically trending in the right direction, but they're not there yet, that's for sure. So there really is just not options for you because the brand is, there's not a brand out there that you can go and get. And then the flip side of that is the one brand that is theoretically available, which is Notre Dame, is not in any way incentivized to join the ACC. They're not incentivized right now to join anyone, but People have also said, like, to me, the biggest overblown story is the idea of this agreement Notre Dame has to join the ACC if they join anyone. Well, we've talked about the grant of rights. It's not going to cost Notre Dame nearly what it would cost Clemson really? to get out of that I deal. was wondering now, about that. Yeah. Right. Now, what is the total? That's uh, another one where I'm not, I'm not sure, okay. but it is not that money. So if the Big Ten came to Notre Dame, which, again, also probably fits Notre Dame better than the ACC does, and says, well, no, don't go there, come here, Notre Dame could make that work. Like, it could make that work. Um, It is is slightly more incentivized to go to the ACC if it's going to do it. But, again, follow the money is essentially the only thing you need to know in these discussions. And right now, Notre Dame doesn't need money from anyone. And if it came to a point in which – um, you know, they were being painted into a corner and had to join a league somewhere. The money's better in the Big Ten. Yep. No, that's oh, wow. Yeah, I I didn't realize the agreement part because that's what I was going to ask about because I, I thought that that pro like not prohibited them right, but like I did think that it was a little bit of something that would make it so that if they did have to join a league, you know, would be the ACC. But that part I did not know. I didn't know it'd be less. Oh man! Right. So, um, and again, I, 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 I cannot sit here and tell you the specific numbers because I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I've heard sort of varying degrees of like, is it fifty percent of like what the everybody else is? It, it would be 
it would be an impediment. And I think that, that beyond that, too, there's a level of cordiality between the ACC and, and, and Notre Dame in which, uh, you know, it, the relationships do matter to some extent. They're not – they do matter to some extent. I'm not saying they matter to the only extent. But if, if – I think Bob Bowlesby just threw something. <laughs> well, that's possible, too. But, I mean, the, the, you know, there is something to be said of like, man, the ACC gave you a home last year when you didn't have one. The ACC has given you a home for your Olympic sports that you desperately needed. We have worked with you throughout all of this. They haven't put pressure on screw us now. Yeah. yeah. Right. I, I think, and, and and I don't, like Notre Dame, probably more than any other school, cares about its brand. And part of that brand is its reputation, its academics, and all of the other things. Like, they legitimately do sort of at least explicitly leave money on the table to remain an independent. Yes. Because being an independent is part of their brand, and and so it, it, it Notre Dame is is maybe the one sort of unicorn in the whole realm of college sports where money is probably not the only driving force. It is a driving force, but not the only one. And the upside for Notre Dame is they make enough money that they can afford to care about other things too. Um, so I think that, that that is the one school that might – like if the, if, if the ACC – Jim Phillips came to them and said like, look, if you join us, we can renegotiate the TV contract, get the money much better. We'll be more in line with about what the Big Ten is making. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll, we'll add somebody else that helps you uh, and we'll give you a lot of freedom on the back end with your uh, TV rights for like rebroadcasts on your Fighting Irish TV, the, their streaming service or, or whatever else. And, but if you don't do this, like we're in a real existential quandary where like our other teams could leave and we need you to hold this league together. Does Notre Dame then say like, well, out of the goodness of our hearts, we're going to make this work. Um, Maybe because the alternative might be that we end up in like a super league type of thing where like the only access to the playoff is, is by joining a league. So that's what I, mean, I was going to get. Because yeah. yeah. Jim, if I'm Jim Phillips, and I, I know I said we were going to talk some ACC football too. I lied because this is actually a way more interesting conversation to me. But um, I probably which, still will which ask. Which really underscores question. the problem that the, the ACC has. Well, <laughs> this is more interesting. I mean, to be fair, right? Like this is, you know, you mentioned like it's an existential question for the ACC. I said that too, but like this is like this is going to just fundamentally change the dynamics of college football in a way that I don't think even those among us who kind of grasp it, like fully are aware of, you know? And so, yeah. 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 And so like, to me it is, I, I, I hear you and yes, I agree. And, and the jokes are there and they are, they're appropriate, but like, this is such a big thing. And like, I, I also, I've, if I'm Jim Phillips, I'm kind of, and it really, a lot of it's going to depend on the structure of the 12 team playoff, to be honest. And, but now that the cards are on the table in terms of like, you know, I, th- it'll be interesting to see how Notre Dame is handled. Right. Because, you know, I think if you make it so that the best access to the playoff comes through winning your league, that's going to put Notre Dame in a tough position. And that's, you know, depending on what happens with that, that's how I would pitch it if I'm Jim Phillips is just saying, like, do you really think that like look at the SEC now? You really think you're gonna get in over one of their six teams that are probably gonna get in? Like they're gonna get better seeds than you, they're gonna get more preferential treatment. Because I think that's probably true, right? Right. Well, and 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 it is. And there's a couple of points with this. Number one, I mean, one of the things that I thought when the when they first come out with this playoff proposal and you have to have one year conference to be a top four seed which inherently 
means Notre Dame can't be a top four seed. I thought to myself, well, boy, that's yeah, uh, that Notre Dame would agree with this. And then Jack Swarbrick's answer was, well, we don't play a championship game. And so this puts us on an even playing field with everybody else. And that argument can go away. Now, first of all, I find it unlikely that I don't like hearing uh, other teams fans complain about this thing as your rationale for taking taking that kind of a hit. But OK. But the thing of it is to get into the playoff is where they would get that extra game in the playoff. When they're when the when the committee is making decisions about who makes the playoff, they still will have not played that extra game. And so mm-hmm. they're still at a disadvantage on that on that front. And so the way that uh, that it has been explained to me, I've said to everybody that I talked to, I asked about Notre Dame, and none of them think Notre Dame is close to joining a league for what it's worth. Uh, but I say, like, you know, what is it? What are Notre Dame's priorities? Like, how do we make this happen? What what is the leverage? And there are three things that Notre Dame cares about. One is access to a pl- to the playoff, which they currently have, and under the twelve team would have, and and you can argue whether it's better, worse, same whatever, but they have made the playoff two out of the last, what, four years. And so there's really not an argument that they don't have playoff access as it currently stands. The second thing is a home for their Olympic sports, which they have with uh, the ACC. Now, again, if we get into a world where the ACC is in legitimate dire straits uh, for its existence in the future, if say Clemson or Florida State or somebody wanted to leave, then that becomes a more tenuous dynamic. But today, it is not. And then the third thing is a broadcast partner, which they have that for all their Olympic sports with with ESPN and the ACC network, and they have that for football with NBC. And that's they're not going to ever have to worry about having a place to, to for people to see their games because people want to see their games. And in fact, the fact that they're they're going to have a game exclusively on the ACC network that some of their fans can't see because there's not Comcast distribution deal with the ACC network yet is actually much more problematic than their existing deal with NBC. So there's effectively no incentive for ESP or for Notre Dame right now. But the way that you start to change that is ESPN comes up with some more money on the TV side that says like, look, we're going to pay you because I think their deal with, with NBC is also up in 2023. And if ESPN jumps into the market and says, we're going to pay you an absolute crap ton of money for, for Notre Dame, but we'd like you to join the ACC to help keep that legal float. Maybe that changes things. Uh, that would be nice. It would be, <laughs> it would be nice. Maybe we owe them a favor at this point. Who knows? Um, does the playoff situation become uh, prohibitive and that might force their hand? And or is the ACC on the verge of, of folding, in which case they would not have a place for their Olympic sports and that forces their hand? But right now, none of those things are, are – right on the immediate future. So it's, it's, it is unlikely again, that Notre Dame just has a a random change of heart. And, and as we said with Greg Sankey, that is really sort of future proofing the SEC. um, Jack Swarbrick is a really sharp dude. And I think really is aware and gets where the future of media rights and, and college footballs and fan engagement and brand building is headed and is really working to position Notre Dame as an independent to be successful in, in that landscape. So I don't really see, barring the landscape shifting dramatically from what we're all talking about today, which is possible, I don't see a huge incentive for that to happen. Uh, well, yeah, there you go. So we'll see. It'll, it'll be interesting. But um, 
I did promise you, though, I promised everyone, frankly, even though we're not going to break down the league or anything, I did promise some Syracuse football talk. So before I get you out of here, and I say this because I probably have a weird thing with Syracuse football, too. I think I watch more Syracuse football than um, the average person in my state, (laughs) um, unless they are from upstate New York, of course, which there are plenty uh, (laughs) that are around our state uh, currently um, in the various metropolitan areas uh, because I see them all the time when uh, Syracuse plays here. So, yeah, um, well, we all have bumper stickers on our uh, our cars (laughs) and T-shirts. Yeah, and T-shirts. And we're the only ones who know to drive, how how to to drive when it snows. So, oh, well, for sure. But I mean, to be fair to us, we don't have snow tires, you know. Yeah, well. And we don't salt our, we don't have the salt uh, infrastructure, you know, that you. Yeah, that's true. Syracuse's entire economy is based on salting things. So it has to be, right? Yeah. I would, yeah. I would. So, okay. <sighs> Whenever people ask me this, and I hate to, I hate the answer I feel like I need to give, but when people are like, which coach is in the most jeopardy? I, you know, Justin Fuente comes to mind, but then so does Dino uh, Babers. And I hate this because I love Dino. I, I love to talk to him every year at kickoff. I, I talked to him about game of Thrones. If he'd found a show to replace that in his heart. Um, he has not. Um, yeah. And, uh, but I, I love Dino and I think he's great. And I think he missed his window to, to take the stepping stone job up and they're kind of caught in a rut here. And I, I don't know if it's in the super immediate future, but to me, uh, he, he seems like next on the list. Um, I'd love to be told I'm wrong. Uh, I mean, you're not wrong. Um, I would argue Fuente is probably his seat is hotter, if you will. Yeah, because the buyout just um, went down. Yeah, right. And, and here, look, here's a, there, there's a couple of things that Dino has going for him, and, and um, none of them are necessarily positives, but they're helpful if you're hoping to keep your job. Which is one, Syracuse just does not have a ton of money to spend, so buying him out is a little more prohibitive even for the same amount of money than it is for many other coaches. Um, two, I keep saying like, if you can't succeed with Dino at Syracuse, right? <laughs> like who are you hiring? Yeah. Because here's what Dino offers is a, a unique offensive style that is fun to play in. It's an easy recruiting pitch. And two, he, as you said, is super personable. So whether he's sitting there chatting up mom and dad in the living room, the fact that he is, um, you know, a minority coach in a primarily minority sport in which there are very few minority coaches, it is a selling point in recruiting. Um, and the fact that he actually likes Syracuse and wants to be there and is not, and, you know, has proven he's not out the door as soon as there's a better offer. Like all of those things make Dino a rare breed in terms of what you can, you can hire. And so, I, you know, who else are you going to go? I mean, let's be quite quite blunt here. There are probably a significant number of group of five jobs, and by significant, I don't know, 10, a dozen, maybe more, that are better than Syracuse, to be honest with you, because it is really hard to recruit to Syracuse. Oh, yeah. You really don't have great facilities there. It's a private school. It's a school with, I'd like to think, because I have a diploma from there, <laughs> some level of academic rigor. Um, and, uh, again, you're, you're trying to ask kids from the Southeast to move to a place where it snows half the year, uh, and come play football there. It is, it's a tough sell. And Dino is one of the few people that can sell it 
And I get it. At some point, you got to win some football games too. Um, and and two is not going to be enough. And three is not going to be enough. Is four enough? Is five enough? Is it the relative difference? And I also kind of look back at last year and I say, like, there are probably teams a little bit harder hit by COVID than, than Syracuse was, but, like, they never had anything close to what you would consider to be a real football team on the field. I mean, as bad as Tommy DeVito played, he was still hurt early and they had to go to other quarterbacks. They had their, their I think, two of their three best defensive players probably opted out last year with Cisco and, yep. and Tro Williams. Um, you know, they had, they were multiple times in the preseason running up to it. They just shut down practice because players were worried about COVID. Um, I mean, just myriad problems there. Uh, and I just think like, did yes, they were terrible last year, but what did it mean? I don't know. I don't know if it meant anything to be honest with you. I mean, that doesn't mean they're good this year. It doesn't mean that there was this secret stash of good Syracuse players that we didn't see that are going to be out there this year. I don't think that's true. But I also think, like, if you're basing it off what happened in 2020, I almost throw that out the window. It means nothing to me. Now, the, the bigger problem is, like, in 2019, they weren't very good either. Right. And I'm not sure how much better than that they can be. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better about Dino anyway. And shout out to Josh Black, who is now, like, my one of my favorite ACC players <laughs> because he was wonderful at ACC Media Day, and I loved him. And – uh he got a little upset with me for not jokingly upset for tweeting out his quote about like, there's not much going on in Syracuse except <laughs> so I was, he was like, I, I was kidding. I was being sarcastic. I think is what he said. I was like, listen, I was just tweeting the quote. No biggie. Like it's not, you know, it's well, you know, there's as someone who has spent a lot of time in Syracuse, I can tell you that um, it was a complete right. misnomer. There's lots to do in Syracuse. You can um, shovel snow, you go apple picking dinosaur barbecue. There's dinosaur barbecue. They have a nice little beer fest down in Clinton Square every oh, nice. year. See, that's um, cool. You know, it's not technically in Syracuse, but you can oh. wander out <laughs> to uh, the Finger La- the Finger Lakes and go you know, boating and stuff. It, there is, it is a lovely, lovely place for a solid two and a half to three months every year. Yeah, and the rest of the time it's snowing. So yeah, I wouldn't recommend it the rest of the time. <laughs> All right, David, uh, not that people don't know, but tell everybody where they can find you. Because I know it always takes me a time or two to uh, Twitter search you before I remember what your handle actually is. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, Ralph Russo yells at me all the time. He's like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look up something you tweeted the other day. I can't find your damn Twitter handle. <laughs> uh, it, is, it is at a David Hale joint, like a Spike Lee joint. Um, but mine is, my joints are better than his, I would argue. Wow. Uh, <laughs> don't, please don't tell him. Uh and uh yeah and so yeah you can find my my tweets there I'm lovely insight or uh, i'm sure we have i'm sure i've written something that's on espn.com somewhere in the recent past that is somewhat re- readable you're definitely affiliated with a more successful new york uh sports team uh, at least in the last <laughs> few years uh basketball yeah. team yeah. Anyway. Well, as somebody who grew up in Philly with like a, a <laughs> ongoing disdain for the city of New York based on their uh, <laughs> long history of success, it's nice to see them mired in failure at in various sports at this point. So <laughs> go Jets, go Knicks, go uh, oh, even the Yankees are, I don't know, we'll see where the Yankees end up. God, the Jets have been relegated to like TV show jokes at this point. 
It's it's like even if people don't know, they're like, oh yeah, we know the Jets are bad, so we can make yeah, that joke right. in a pop culture is, show. It is fun when like uh, you know, yeah, you don't even need to follow the sport. You just like you didn't need to be a baseball fan back in the day. You just you saw Major League, and so the Indians you knew yeah, were a joke. Exactly. Yeah. All right, David. Well, thanks so much for doing this, and uh, the death of the ACC not coming for at least a few more years. So uh, wildly exaggerated. Yeah, at least premature, if nothing else. Yeah. All right, everybody, uh, until next week.